Dear Mountaintop, brothers and sisters, I hope to inspire you today to understand the importance of investing in the next generation as I share with you my journey at Mountaintop. This church has played a very significant role in my own spiritual life. I entered the doors of this church as a freshman in high school. I remember it being like no other church I had attended previously. I can still remember the night that I walked into the youth building for the first time and was immediately asked to come sit with a group of girls. I instantly felt community with other students. But that's not the only memory that sticks out in my head. The other thought that stays etched in my mind are the many people that spoke into my life those four years of high school. People's voices that helped shape my faith. I remember student pastors. I remember a mom that showed up early on a Sunday morning to share her life and faith journey with me and a small group of high school girls. I remember college students that held Bible studies in their homes so we could learn more about the word of God. I remember people that prayed over me. All of these people contributed to making my spiritual foundation more solid. What a gift and a very pivotal time in life that I believe prepared me for when I left for college. I am so thankful that I was able to attend Sanford University. Because of this, I was able to continue to be a part of the community at Mountaintop. As I thought about all the people that had poured into me over the last four years of high school, I had a stirring in my heart that I wanted to do the same. I wanted to be a part of helping others grow in their relationship with Jesus. So I signed up to be a middle school girls small group leader. I know, crazy that that is where I would start. But the best thing is it wasn't crazy, at least most days. I remember, um, loved getting to share with the girls what God had taught me at that point in my life. I loved reading God's word with these girls and learning together. I loved having conversations about where, what they were dealing with and I loved getting to pray for them. It was in this serving experience that I felt a call to, do, to ministry. And after four years at Sanford, God granted me that opportunity to come on staff as part of the children's ministry at Mountaintop. I've loved getting to do what I do on Sunday mornings for the last 19 years. These kids and students are our future. And I believe that all of us have a part to play to pass on our faith to the next generation. In Deuteronomy 6, four through seven, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Parents, if you have been around me, you've heard me talk about this passage. We have a role to play in the spiritual development of our kids. It doesn't have to be complicated. We simply need to use our everyday moments to point our kids to Jesus. Moments when you're driving in the car with your kids, moments around the dinner table, moments when you're tucking your kids in at night. We have to be intentional about recognizing these moments and leaning into them. Pray and ask God to open your eyes to opportunities that he places in your path and then use them. If you're not a parent with kids in your house, I don't believe you're off the hook. I can't help but notice how this passage started. Hear, O Israel. It didn't say, hear, O parents. I believe this is a community calling. We need to adopt the it takes a village mentality when it comes to impressing God's truths on the hearts of the next generation. So whether you're a student, a young adult, or a grandparent, we all get to be a part. Why do I think it's important that we all play a role? Too many students are walking away from their faith when they leave home. 
Some research says 40%, some says 50, some says 70. The point is, it's too many. Fuller Youth Institute has done research to figure out why so many people are walking away. And one of the main reasons they found was the lack of relationships teenagers had with adults of all ages. Here is one thing the Sticky Faith Research cited. Churches and families wanting to instill deep faith in youth should help them build a web of relationships with committed and caring adults, some of whom may serve as intentional mentors. So yes, parents, you have a responsibility to instill faith in your kids, but kids also need other relationships that reflect Jesus. I remember hearing someone say once that we can't see Jesus, but we can see people who know Jesus. Think about it. The more people that share their faith with a child, the better understanding they can have about Jesus. Maybe your story isn't like mine. Maybe you don't feel called to be a small group leader on Sunday mornings to a group of kids. But here's what I do know. If you are a believer, you have a faith story. You have experience with God that need to be shared. You have things you've learned about faith that need to be told. And it needs to be told to the next generation so it's not lost. What kids or students has God placed in your life? Is it a neighbor, a grandchild, the child of one of your friends? Or maybe it is the kids and students here at Mountaintop. I would urge you to pray. Pray and ask God, how can you be a part of making sure his story continues to be told to this generation so that it can be told to the next generation and then to the next? As I look back at the 26 years I have been at Mountaintop, I realize I would not be who I am today without my parents and the people of this church who have invested in me. I pray that in 10 to 20 years, there will be many others that say the same about this community that they had so many people that invested in, invested in them, that showed up for them in their life, that prayed over them, that shared God's word with them, that built up their faith in a way that encourages them to do the same, to pass on their faith to the next generation. That is my prayer for Mountaintop. When I wrote this letter, I had many thoughts bouncing around in my head and my heart. I'd been praying for weeks about what I felt needed to be said and hopefully heard through this letter, which part of me gets to the front of the line, the pastor, the dad, the husband, the son, the fellow believer. Each part of who I am has topics I would love to share, but for the sake of time, I will focus on Chris, the follower of Christ. After all, that is the foundation for each and every part of who I am. I believe we are becoming more and more of a microwave society. We want everything as quickly as possible, and we will often sacrifice quality to get whatever it is. For the most part, now isn't always a bad thing. When we need something fast, we call, click, or order ahead, and can have just about anything delivered to us. We can even have cars delivered to our doorstep. How awesome and scary is that? We have the whole world at our fingertips, but still find ourselves lacking and hollow. I think this is because we are trying to fill a God-shaped hole in our lives and have leaned on microwaved moments of faith rather than allowing our lives to be permeated by the Holy Spirit. There is something to be said for slow, deliberate things in this world. There is beauty in the waiting. Delays are part of the journey, and the journey is more often memorable than the destination itself. Too many times in my life I rush to the ending at the neglect of the moment. This is true for me in parenting, my career, and sadly, my marriage. We miss what is right in front of our face. Kids grow up right in front of our eyes and we miss too much. We find ourselves in going to work, 
with no real passion for what we are doing. We sit across from our spouses thinking about other parts of our lives instead of what is going on in theirs. If nothing else, I want this letter to be a wake-up call. We must be in the moment before the moment is gone. We have one life to live, so let's make it count. Years ago, as a young follower of Christ, I was challenged to memorize Philippians chapter 2. This section of scripture is powerful and frequently pops into my head. And the apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers learning how to live out their lives. Paul instructs them in verses three and four to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only onto his own interests, but also to the interest of others. When I think about this passage, my attention turns instantly towards the idea that Paul was urging the believers to serve and help others, to think of others more than they thought of themselves. Isn't it amazing and sad that this notion is as crucial today as it was nearly 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote it? It's as if he was telling us to pay attention to the moments and people we might overlook in our microwave mindset. I'm blessed to work with teenagers as a career. They make me feel young and old all at the same time. I've been in youth ministry now for 20 years and have seen groups come and go. But there is something different about this generation. They deeply care for and about others. Sure, they may be self-centered and impulsive like many of us, but they can also care deeply for and love others like few have before them. In my time as a part of the Mountaintop family, I have seen this grow more and more each year. We've seen a record number of students plugging in and serving at the church and their schools and our communities and all over the world through our mission partnerships. It is so rewarding to see hearts come alive to what God is doing in our world and he encourages and challenges my own faith as well as our leaders and volunteers who pour into them. It's infectious. Don't believe me? Come see for yourself. Shameless plug, yes, but it's also the truth. These students don't show up only because they're having fun, which they do have a lot of. It's God stirring and revealing his heart for the world through them. It's tangible, it's real, it's love. Time and time again, I'm reminded of how much I learn and grow in my relationship with Christ when I just slow down and turn my attention to others. When I consciously place my schedule and my desires by the wayside, I can more clearly see God moving. Is this hard? Of course. Is it worth it? Absolutely. It's worth everything. When the one life we are given each, let's make it count. It is my prayer that Mountaintop would be a place for everyone to call home because it's a place where people are focused on others, that we would outdo each other for caring for our neighbors, that we would find reward in our service for our community and our city, that our children and students would stand out in their schools as lights in a dark time, that we would stand out at our jobs because of our honesty and our selfless mindset. Let's step out on our, from our selfish microwave society and intentionally serve and love others. That my friends, will honor God. When we do as Christ did and care for others' needs, desires, and well-being before that of ourselves, this world will not know what hit it. We will truly be the light Jesus called us to be. It will take time and effort, 
but all the best things do. I love you, Mountaintop, and I can't wait to see what God does through each of you in the coming days. Hey, everybody. My name is Ben Kathy, and I have the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Mountaintop, and I also have the privilege of asking these two awesome guys some questions today. And uh, over the last several months, I've gotten to know you, and we journeyed through this thing together that we're never going to forget, right? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? But uh, I just want to ask both of you, uh, before we dive into your letters, during COVID, youth ministry, children's ministry, 1 through 10, where you been at? What's been going on? Okay. <laughs> On a scale of one, being on vacation, and 10, being on a mission trip with students, um, we're at about a seven or an eight. Like, it's weird because we're not in a normal routine, uh, but we went from my staff and I doing like a message or two a week, like on Sundays, prepping for Sundays, the normal routine, plus some programming to like, we started doing Instagram messages daily. We started doing like Zoom churches on Thursday night and Sunday night, and started, we almost, I feel like we did more in three months than I... Like it was just, it was just not normal though. It was so different and awesome and rewarding, but it was taxing. And so I'd, I'd say a solid seven or an eight. So, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, Melissa. So I don't know about a number. I will just say this: um, <laughs> I am excited to get back downstairs with our kids. I definitely just miss doing ministry that way, but. We have had an opportunity in the season just to put out videos to our families um, that they can watch on the weekends. Um, and so hoping that, you know, they are learning together as a family. That's something that I also am passionate about. And then we are, the summer, have been able to put together these little fam packs um, that have activities for the kids to do with their parents at home just to go along with those videos. So it's just a different season. Um, again, I don't know how to put that in a number. But yeah. But it's been, it's been good, but I'd really like to go back to whatever is normal yeah. as Would soon you, as possible. Yeah. What, what, no. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, for me, it's, and we've been working together, but it's like you're, you're on this trip and you think you know where you're going, and then there's a detour sign. Mm-hmm. And you think you know you're, where you're going, and then there's a detour sign, and you think you know where you're going, and then there's a detour mm-hmm. sign. And, you think, and, yep. and we're still sort of holding the future loosely and just trying to stay nimble and prepared for whatever's next. So I'm um, part of it. Chris. Yes. You mentioned uh, something. Yeah. You know, this, this generation, some people call it the microwave generation, and, and what people not know is, you know, for a younger generation, I think Facebook is the long form of digital. <laughs> and, and it's like Instagram and TikTok and whatever else, or, you know. Um, tell, tell me more about that. Microwave faith. How do you see that play itself out? Um, with, with the teenagers and the children of today who have grown up completely digital natives, they were, most of these kids were born or not, not as old as iPhones are, which is just let that shock your brain for a second. Um, they live moment by moment. Big moments matter. And we all know that moments matter in our lives. There, there's pinpoints that you could call back to. I joke with you in our pre-show about the kick six. You'll always remember the kick six. Some people will want to forget it. Some people want to always remember it. But the moments have power in our lives. And for students, the microwave moments and just the intense emotions and the feelings, they matter. And they matter a lot. And what we try to do in student ministry is capitalize on that to help create moments, but also you can't just create a moment every time because people don't come to church every week and it's because life and schedules and it just, it, it is what it is. 
But microwave faith, I think, can be a detriment to a lot of us because I don't think, while there is a moment in time where hopefully most of us have felt a leading from God and God has invaded our lives and intersected with our lives, we can't let that be the only moment. You can't just live in student worlds. They, they can't live from mission trip to exchange to another big weekend, a surprise. Like you, it's got to be something that invades your whole life. And I always I joke, it's like, it's like a slow cooker. Like, you, you know, like the slow cooker, the, ro- the roast beef in a slow cooker is way better than roast beef in a microwave. Anybody disagree with that? If it is, we need to change it. Yes. Okay, slow cooker is like, because <laughs> like it, it, it takes time for stuff. And I said in my letter, like the Holy Spirit to permeate your life. And I was very intentional with those wordings because I think that that's something that's a long haul. And the microwave moments detract from the long haul. Yeah, and, and in your letter, you picked up on Philippians 2 and talked about sort of not microwaving things, um, <laughs> living in the moment, and also related that to helping and serving. How, how does that play itself out in your world? So where the power of moments do matter for students a lot, um, we've learned that, some big things, serving and helping others. It helps trigger, it helps tie the head knowledge to the heart knowledge. And like your, your everything kind of just makes sense then because at that point in time, like you're actively living out your faith, which is what we're called to do. And you're, and you're stepping into it and it, it's not, I mean, I mean this nicely, it's not rocket science. Like it's, it's, it's as simple as we learned at VBS years and years ago, how do you grow closer to Christ? You read your Bible, you pray, you pray, you take your vitamin, no, that was Hulk Hogan. Um, like you, you do these, like you, you dig into God's word and you learn it's that simple, but just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not powerful. And it takes time. It takes actively living into it. And so getting kids to serve at VBS, getting kids to serve on Sunday mornings, mission trips, all kinds of things. Some stuff we're doing at student ministry, we're starting to make some changes in the fall. Like we're trying to capitalize on that mindset and that heartbeat to help trigger the head to heart connection with their faith. You know, that's a good word because it's not simple doesn't mean it's not powerful. Thanks. Thanks for that. That's going to be my quote of the day from Chris, Chris Connor. <laughs> Hey, Melissa, um, we met and um, you, you shared part of your story of sort of stages yeah. at Mountaintop. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking and sort of around the room and people were talking about how long they had been at Mountaintop. So I don't know how long you've been at Mountaintop, but you've been here way longer than me. So <laughs> I remember when I said, well, it's been like, three months now. And Melissa says 20 years. And I was like, whoa, uh, to, you know, and so along that time, have there been, has there been a pivotal moment, a defining moment you feel like, hey, this is where it's at. This is what God's calling me to. You know, I think it's been moments along the way. Um, kind of, as I said in my letter, I think when I had the opportunity to serve with those middle school girls, um, that was definitely, um, where I felt a calling, like, I want to do this for the rest of my life, not necessarily middle school girls, (laughs) although I did, I really did love them. Um, So I think, but then I think God just continued to work on that in my heart. Uh, In college, I was able to work at a camp in the summers with kids, and so it was just something that got, I got more passionate about, I guess, as time went on. Um, And then, you know, I think God just showed me a bigger picture of what that looked like. I think 
you know, when I first started, I'm like, oh, kids, you just work with kids. And then I was at a conference in Chicago, and I remember a moment where a guy named Reggie Joyner started rolling out these grocery carts full of these little playground balls. And first he rolled out one. He said, this is 40 balls in here. This is about how, much, how many hours that the church has to invest in kids in a year. And I was like, oh, you know, that sounds about right. Not every kid's here 52 weeks out of the out of the year. Um, And then he just starts rolling out grocery cart after grocery cart after grocery cart. And he said, now there's 3,000 balls in all of these carts. And this is the amount of time a parent has in a year, how many hours a parent has in a year to influence and and their kid's faith. And that was a big moment for me to, to realize, okay, it's not just about investing in the kid. I need to figure out how to partner with the parent so that that faith goes so much deeper in a kid's life than just focusing on the Sunday morning experience. Yeah. So, Good, good, yep. good. Um, never see a shopping cart the same way, no, right? Shopping carts was that? There was a lot. I just remember, and I was young. I was probably in college during this, but I just remember shopping cart after shopping. I don't know, a lot. So I know you guys were really hard to produce excellent biblical content for our kids. Um, your staff, volunteers, in fact, most people probably don't even know the VBS boxes had like three days of VBS a box party to get those. About three weeks. Three weeks, three weeks, excuse me, three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but y'all just worked so hard to make sure the content's excellent, yet that's second. And, and the primary thing is how uh, kids and, and I would assume we say gross youth are relating to uh, mentors, those around them, parents. What, is, what does that look like in children or even youth ministry? Um, well, I know, and I know the same is for Chris too, is we are always looking for adults and students who will commit to being consistent for these kids. That's important to us that um, the kids see a, same, a familiar face every time they come to church. But it's more than that. Um, what I've discovered is when a kid feels like, man, that person, that adult, that student cares for me, then they're going to be much more um, able to listen to you when you start talking about Jesus because they're like, well, this person cares about me. But yes, beyond the Sunday morning, what I've seen is those volunteers that take off for VBS, and that's what I hate this year about not having it live, is we'll have volunteers that serve on Sunday that say, hey, I'm gonna take off work so I can continue building into these kids that I see on Sunday morning. Or the volunteers that say, you know what, I'm gonna write a letter to these kids to show them, I don't just care about them on Sunday, but I care about them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as well. And I think when a kid and a parent sees that, that while this person is coming alongside of me, they love my kid, hey, I'll listen to what they have to say, you know, about Jesus too. So I think that's where the relationships come in and are so important. Absolutely, absolutely. I I have uh, two early markers in my life uh, that introduced me to, hey God, there might be this thing called God. My grandfather would pray with me Mm -hmm. and at VBS, a nice lady gave me cookies and juice and told me I was a good boy. (laughs) And uh, I was like, this church thing must be awesome. Cookies and juice and I'm a good boy. So... (laughs) Um, and then I learned, learned more over the years, but, um, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Um, Chris, I want to ask you a, a last question here. Um, along with, uh, trying to 
help uh, these relationships happen, help students grow in Christ as disciples, uh, hopefully be adult disciples, right? Um, as they grow, uh, you're making some changes in youth ministry. And tell us more about what's going on. Give us a heads up, maybe the reasons behind it. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the setup a little bit. Melissa alluded to it in her letter. She talked about, see if you guys are paying attention, uh, super glued in. Um, the percentage of students who graduate the church when they graduate high school, um, the, the general working number is about 70%. So think about the senior class that walked up here on May 17th. That we had about 13 of our 20-something seniors that were part of it. The statistics would show that we'll never see 13 or 14 of them ever again. Because not, not, even, not, not just mountaintop, like church as a whole. And so we tried to figure out like, what is keeping the other 30%. Like, what is it? And so we, back in November and December, we started asking ourselves this question. Um, what does a vibrant and healthy teenage follower of Christ look like? Uh, and my staff and I prayed, talked to other churches, read a lot of stuff, dug into a lot of stuff. Um, and we wanted to capture what that 30%, what kept them. And so research shows that two things overwhelmingly keep students and people connected to the church uh, is intergenerational worship and serving. When they're plugged into the life of the church and they're not just another ministry at the church, in a sense, siloed. And then when they graduate, you know, they're in the main service with 60 and 70 year olds. Uh, and so can you imagine that shift? Now you're 18, you've been catered to your whole life and now you're considered the same as somebody who's been here for 40 years. Like that, that's a hard switch. And so they just don't come. Uh, luckily our church is awesome. And we had this thing. So we started thinking and talking to Carter and a bunch of other churches and really trying to figure out how to capture and captivate the hearts and minds of students. Um, and so starting whenever life starts back, hopefully in September uh, is what we're shooting for. Um, we're not going to meet on Sunday mornings anymore um, because we need to be a part of the church. Our students need to see their parents worship and our parents need to see their students worship. Um, it may be a student section, which I'm hoping for this area over here. Uh, and just hanging out, be together, serving, plug in. We're going to start, we're going to move to Sunday nights fully for high school and middle school. Uh, and we're going to structure around the idea of moments. Uh, we, say three, we say four things in student, student ministry. Gather, connect, serve, and get out. That's our discipleship model. That's our everything. Uh, we create gathering environments, which is fun. Anybody can come to. You don't have to be a believer. Uh, we're, it's not it's at church, but it's not overly churchy. Um, the first week of every month is going to be our gather week. We've got plans in place for Ninja Warrior courses and big, you've heard of a silent disco? It's weird. You should Google it. Um, you put big headphones on and everybody has their own music and they just jam, but it's super quiet in the room. Maybe it's a great idea for it's, babysitting. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but it's, <laughs> it's amazing. We've got, all the, we've got plans in place. So the first week is a 100% invite that a non-believer can feel like they're coming to and they see church people aren't weird. One of Carter's first messages, he said, hey, invite people to your house. In my phone. Invite people to your house and just be normal. He just don't be weird. That's what kind of thing. So second week uh, is our connect week. It's a more of a worship environment, stripped down, connecting with your, your creator, your leader, and your peers. Third week, as I'm super excited about, is a serve week. We're going to do 12 for Birmingham serve projects 
once a month, the, the, the third, thir- third Sunday of every month, we're gonna have them come to the here. We're gonna go places. We're gonna actively serve in our community and help. And then the fourth week, it does not, we, we say get out, let's get out and minister and be disciples and make disciples. But we're gonna have our big one voice worship nights that we've started this last year. Um, and probably up here in this room because that room won't hold us as much anymore. Um, but it's gonna be huge, it's gonna be different. Small groups are gonna shift and be more under the umbrella of the church's small groups because the goal is discipleship, not just meeting to talk about a message. We want to really disciple and minister to people and help students grow. So that was like a long elevator pitch, but that's what Looking forward to it. So yeah. Looking forward, yeah, yeah. And I think I heard you say though, correct me if I'm wrong, that the way that Christians prove to curious people that they're normal is by doing a silent disco. Is that? (laughs) That's what what Peter said. Hey, will you join me? Let's pray uh, for Chris and Melissa, everybody in their ministry areas, and just what's going on with youth and children. Um, let's pray together. God, we just uh, we thank you uh, for uh, the calling you've placed on the lives of, of Chris and Melissa, Lord God, for uh, the, the incredible staff teams they get to work with, for the amazing volunteers, God, and for those precious, precious students, Lord. Uh, together, Lord. We're a family, God, and, and I just pray that um, as students and children grow, that, that every person, whether we have a child in our home or not, would consider what our part is in the journey. God, as we look for ways to relate across the generations, to invest, to pray, to, to serve beside, uh, just to show up and help out and resource. And uh, God, uh, give us the energy, give us the courage, And God, give us that measure of your spirit that will make us your church for all generations. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.